Today we get to commemorate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, marking the date this Tuesday of Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. While this action was only intended to begin a scholarly debate, it is now looked to as the first spark of the Reformation. This month we have looked to some of the key themes of the Reformation, being guided by the original three solas that became a sort of motto of the Reformation. Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. So for today, as we actually commemorate the Reformation, I want us to reflect on another motto of the Reformation. One that has been particularly been carried by our Reformed Presbyterian branch of, let's call it the Reformation tree. This motto is originally taken from a phrase by St. Augustine back in the 4th century. In Latin, it reads as this, Ecclesia Reformata Semper Reformanda, or the church reformed always being reformed. The proper ending to this motto, however, is according to the word of God, giving us a nice continuation of where we left off last week with scripture alone. This phrase was definitely utilized by the reformers in the 16th and 17th centuries, and it was later revived in the 20th century by theologian Karl Barth, and it continues to be used today in the church. To explore this motto and what it means for our reformed heritage, we have heard the prophecy of Isaiah, where the prophet declares that God is doing a new thing in the midst of a troubled and exiled people. For our second reading, we'll hear the Apostle Paul talk about the Christian community's continual need to be not conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds, ever seeking God's will and spirit to move within and among us. I invite you now to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 12th chapter of Romans, beginning with the first verse. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. 
Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, friends, I have to admit something. I'm usually pretty far behind when it comes uh, to technology, even for my age, especially for my age, you could say. I remember several years back now when I purchased my very first iPhone. I was a little late getting into the smartphone game, particularly for my age. And I noticed this when I had a parishioner who was about my parents' age tell me that I should ditch my old uh, flip phone. It was at that moment I knew I fell pretty far behind in the technology curve. So I went to the Apple store and purchased one. You should have seen the look on the employee's face when he tried to move the contacts from my ancient artifact of a flip phone to my brand new iPhone. The employee helping uh, raved about how great this new phone was and how it was the best thing ever. A couple weeks went by and I was excited with my new phone until I saw a commercial. A commercial announcing the brand new iPhone. In less than a month, my phone went from being top of the line to yet another ancient artifact. This craze of updating our technology constantly, of always needing the latest and best thing, has created an unspoken mantra in our culture and world, and that is that newer is always better. This is certainly the current church's critique of the Reformation movement in its early days. The critique was that they wanted change simply for the sake of change, not because of who God has called the church to be. Both this historical critique and the current reality of our world is exactly why I think this motto of the Reformation is, at the same time, both an essential and also a challenging motto for our day. The church reformed, always being reformed, has become a sort of argumentative tool in the church that one uses to show that they are right and others are wrong. So I think it's essential for us first to reflect on what this motto doesn't mean. First, reformed and being reformed doesn't mean that new is always better. John Calvin, the the main theologian of our tradition, uh, addressed this in a treaty on the necessity of reforming the church saying that they were not innovating, but rather seeking to restore the church to its original state, set forth in the early church of the New Testament. It's not innovation, it's restoration. In our first reading, the prophet Isaiah proclaims that God is doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? But really what he describes is God calling the people of Israel out of their exile in Babylon to return home as God's children. God may be doing a new thing in our midst, but like the Israelites, we may not always perceive it. 
Reformed and always being reformed also doesn't mean, as the 16th century church critique, that we seek change simply for the sake of change. In our second reading, the Apostle Paul calls for the church and the Christian to seek to not be conformed by the world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. Reformation is not conformity, but transformation. Allowing Christ's love and grace to transform our lives and through faith help us grow more and more in Christ's image. God speaking to us through scripture alone is the means by which our minds might be continually renewed. This idea, I believe, leads us to the final and probably most important one. Reformed and always being reformed means that we cannot reform the church ourselves. Throughout the years, people have tried to translate this passive Latin statement actively, saying instead, the church reformed, always reforming. This seems to be where people take up this motto to bolster their own sides. Seeking to be continually restored and transformed by Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, transcends all boundaries all separations, all divisions we humans have created to separate ourselves from one another. We're not able to reform the church. It is only God's Spirit at work within us that we are able to reform the church more and more into its identity as the body of Christ in the world. So we've learned that our motto doesn't mean that new is always better, or change for change's sake, and it doesn't mean that we can reform the church ourselves. So the question then is, what does it mean for us today? First, I believe our motto reminds us of the church's continual need for renewal, by God's Spirit speaking to us in and through Scripture. We are in need of continual renewal as a church. Why? Because of our own brokenness and sinfulness our own need for forgiveness. The church comprised of broken people is never perfect. As the saying goes, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. But this continual need to reform isn't just about sin. It's about God's Spirit continually at work, equipping the saints, equipping the church in its particular time and place that we might proclaim the gospel in a way that the world needs to hear and experience it. Because of this, we can never be stuck or frozen, since we trust in a God who is always at work, a God who is constantly making all things new. God's work isn't done yet. And friends, we are called as the church, as Christ's body in the world, to be participants in God's ongoing redemption of this world through Christ. If you've noticed today, and also throughout this month as we've done this series, I've been a little hesitant to say that we are celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. There are certainly things to celebrate. The rich tradition, the necessary reforms and changes that overall have improved the witness of the church, But it's not without saying that these changes came at a cost, at a cost of splitting the church, the largest split in just about 500 years, when the Eastern Church split from the West, creating what we know today as the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox churches. 
The split from the Reformation, however, also gave birth to countless other divisions. First, it was the Lutherans and Reformed and Anglican divisions, and then more, and then these groups had their own splits, leading us to the multitude of different denominations we have today. While there are many things to celebrate about the Reformation, I think our Reform motto also reminds us that seeking this kind of continual renewal, Paul describes, this promotes unity, not separation. Following Paul's push to the Romans to seek transformation and renewal, he goes on to show them what this looks like when it's lived out. To seek renewal and transformation means to live in harmony, to live peaceably with one another. It means that Christians rejoice with those who rejoice, that they weep with those who weep. Paul's words are ones of seeking unity and celebrating our oneness in Christ. In the same way, our motto of reformed and always being reformed means the church must strive towards finding unity and reconciliation across the various boundaries and divides that separate us from each other. Phyllis Tickle was a scholar of religion, and she wrote a very important book on the future of Christianity entitled The Great Emergence. In this book, she notes the historical trend that since Christ the church has undergone a major reformation every 500 years. The first being the institutionalization of Christianity within the Roman Empire. The second being the great schism between the Eastern and Western churches that we talked about earlier. Finally, there's the reformation of the 15 and 1600s. Now, if you follow Tickle's argument, this means that the church is due for another reformation. It's even possible that we are in the midst of one here and now. Thinking about our motto and Paul's words of transformation and unity, I wonder if perhaps the way God could be speaking to us in this divisive time and place is by calling us back together. Perhaps this is the time when God's Spirit is working to reform and renew the church by calling us back together finding our oneness, our unity in Christ, that we might speak Christ's love and peace to our broken and divided world. I guess one can only hope. Friends, we are the church reformed, always being reformed according to the word of God. May we remember that God is not done with the church, but rather calls us to serve, calling us to participate in God's ongoing ministry of redemption. May we do so by seeking unity and living peaceably with all, calling all to share in the love and grace we know in Christ Jesus. Amen.